Alright. So back to Alaska and getting up and spinning was no that was too separate. Oh okay. There it on. Um thanks. Uh Nev. Thanks everybody. Um also thanks to uh, Amelia and her team yesterday. We had an amazing day up at the Apple Fair. Amelia did such a great job. Um raising some money for the the folks in the residential home in, in the meadows. Um, I, she didn't accept card, which was really annoying. I had no cash on me. She didn't accept any card. So I had to go down to the cash machine. I had to go down to the ATM yesterday to get some money out, so I had enough to be able to pay for a guess of how many conquerors were in Amelia's uh, bucket. And um, so whenever I was down getting money, waiting to get money out, there was somebody standing there. It was really weird. Uh, so, so many different people from all over Northern Ireland had arrived into Rich Hill. There's a few odd bods about. And there's some boy in front of me at the ATM machine standing on one leg. Like, what is he doing? I wasn't going to say anything, but then eventually I was so confused. I, like, I leaned over and he goes, what are you doing? And he turned around and he goes, I'm just checking my balance. Thank you. Huh? Amelia, Amelia doesn't think it's funny. Um, we're going to talk about Sabbath today. Uh, for those that, that haven't been, been about, we have been, from the beginning of September, we have been um, looking at the things that are foundational um, as, as Christians. Looking at things that are foundational to people who are followers of the way of Jesus. We started off, we laid the foundation on the first Sunday in September um, with Jesus. He is the chief. He is the foundation and everything else is, has been laid on top of Jesus, the foundation. All things are through him, onto him, are held together by him. Um, and so uh, that's what we've done. And so we've talked about the Bible and the Holy Spirit and the church and justice, all of those things that we think as we engage with Scripture and the story of the church, that these are the things that, are, that have held us together, that are why thousands of years later still there's millions and millions of people across the world that are still uh, following the way of Jesus. These are the things we think that are really important. And the Sabbath is one of them. And uh, the Sabbath could have potentially is one of those ones that could be overlooked because it's one of those ones as a society that we do find difficult. And so I'm just going to set, set the scene here for a couple of minutes and then Jackie and David are going to come up and we're going to talk a wee bit about their understanding and their practices, their rhythms of Sabbath to help us flesh this out a wee bit. Um, but I, I, I was just thinking about it this morning. I was thinking that um, keeping, the com- keeping the command to Sabbath is both radical and extremely difficult. I think today it is extremely difficult to keep to Sabbath, uh, and it is incredibly radical, which made me think that if it's that difficult, and if it's that radical, then maybe it's more important, never been more important than we, than we talk about it. And, um, and so we are, uh, we even engaging with David and Jackie over the last couple of days, something that they are incredibly passionate about. 
Um, but I, I, I just want to take a couple of minutes to go back to the back to the very beginning. We're going to be in Genesis in our midweeks a lot over the next number of weeks, and I suppose to to whet our appetite, get us in the mood. Where let me read a few. I'm going to skim over uh, Genesis one and get to a couple of verses towards. Uh, the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. Um, I think most of you will be familiar. I don't always like to assume, but I think if you've grown up in school or if you've been around church at all, you'll be slightly familiar with the account in Genesis chapter 1. And just again, to whet your appetite, two completely separate accounts of the, gen- of the, of the creation narrative in Genesis 1 and 2, which we will talk about. On Wednesday night. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so then we have this, verses 3. Uh, then there was evening and there was morning the first day, whenever God separated the light from the darkness. Verse 6, um, separated the, the waters. And then here this line again, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Um, and then there was the dry ground. God called it land and called the water seas, and he saw that it was good. And then again in verse 13, listen again, listen out for the order, and it was, there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Um, and then it keeps going. There was evening, there was morning the fourth day, there was evening, there was morning the fifth day. Evening and morning the sixth day. And verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase. And then verse 31, God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. And verse 2 of chapter 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating, all the work of creating that he had done. And so if you've ever engaged with David around the conversation of Sabbath, I'm sure he's mentioned the name Abraham Heschel. But Abraham Heschel used this, like, wrote this paragraph that I was so taken by this week. This was the first object, the first object to be called holy. It was not a mountain. It was not an altar. But it was the day of Sabbath. Not a mountain or an altar, but it was the day of Sabbath. And this is the language Heschel uses. It was on the seventh day that God gave the world a soul, and the world's survival depends upon the holiness of the seventh day. And I read out verse 27 because that's, that's one of the things that has struck me over this week. We go back again, and I know we, it's, it's a place we go to regularly. In the God created us, God created man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. And so whenever we read over the, the, whenever we get a snapshot of this account of creation, we see evening and morning each day. And on the seventh day, God declared the Sabbath to be holy and he rested from all that he's done. And that, is the, that, is the, that, that is what God modeled for us. And that's what God instilled in us as his image bearers. I think it's really important. So, so like we, because all the stuff that we talk about rest and how much we struggle with it, actually, we're denying the very image of God whenever we 
refuse to stop. Like the, the, there's some of your versions will read, um, instead of and God rested on the seventh day, it would say that God ceased on the seventh day. So for us to think that we can keep on going and not stop and not slow down and not rest, it's denying the very image of the, the one that we were created in the likeness of. There's a theologian that has said that the heart of original sin is the refusal to accept God's rhythm for us. And I feel like I could keep going here, but I think I'd love to hear from David and Jackie. And so they're going to grab a stool here in true boy band style. And, um, and so I'm going, to, I'm going to hand over to, I'll, I'll give the mic to David first. I'll take the gamble. I'm going to gamble and give the microphone to David, and I'm going to stand beside him, pinch his shoulder if he goes on. I'm not really. But um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to let these guys just share what uh, I'm going to sit here on the stool. And uh, so, so talk to us, and then if there's bits and pieces that uh, I think we should go back to or highlight, I, I'll do that. But I will awkwardly sit beside you. Oh dear. Don't worry, I'm not going to read out all these books. These are just recommended reading that I'll share at the end. Um, I'm not looking at the notes. Firstly, I'll, I'll talk about where I was brought up. So you heard it a, a few weeks ago with um, communion, brought up in a Baptist church, um, which was what we would class as reformed. So reformed means that you stick to a lot of rules very closely. Um, there was a certain structure to the whole day. We weren't allowed to do sports. We weren't allowed to watch TV. We had to go to church, felt like 10 times a day. It was maybe only three, four, <laughs> quite a lot. Spent a lot of time in church. And for me growing up, and this is my perspective, so don't hear me saying it in a negative way. It was negative for me, I'm afraid to say. Um, and it made me not want to go to church. But the Sabbath, when I was growing up, was a day of don't. Don't do this. Don't go here. Don't have fun. Whereas now, um, as I was explaining this a few months ago to Daniel, when he was asking me, because one of his friends was talking about Sabbath and how they preserve it in their household, which would be more the way I was brought up, um, I said, Daniel, for, for me now, Sabbath is a day of do's, not don'ts. I do the things that bring me joy. I do the things that um, fill me, and I participate in things around the table, meals with friends and family. Um, I allow my kids to watch things that they enjoy, but for me it is a day of thankfulness and enjoyment when I stop long enough to pay attention to all the good things in my life that God has given me. Does that make sense? Instead of a day of, and there are some things within that, there are some structures that, as I have read through these books now, I actually am feeling drawn that I would love to create some structure around a Sabbath day, but not to restrict my enjoyment of the day, but actually to bring more joy to the day. And maybe chat a bit about that later. Um, so my experience with Sabbath was, uh, as a kid, it was just Sunday. And you went to church, and you did church things, and you spent time with family, and you you went back to church in the night, in the evening, and you know. <laughs> um, so Sabbath wasn't really talked about as a child, but as um, I got older, 
the context of Sabbath became very intriguing to me. Um, I actually have a Herschel quote as well. <laughs> I was like, please don't say it. it's the same one. <laughs> um, and so for me, I like to look at context. So my brain works in like, what was, what was the purpose of Sabbath in its original context? And so when I started looking into the Sabbath and what it meant to be Jewish and participate in the Sabbath, I started to um, ask God, what was the purpose of this? What was the reason for this? And so then I started to listen to some Jewish scholars, and I started to do some research. And the Lord brought me to a place where God showed me that he worked for six days. He was doing something for six days. And on the seventh day, he was being. He was present. He wasn't doing. He wasn't working. He wasn't striving for anything. He was simply being. Herschel says, um, six days a week, we wrestle with the world. The seventh day is a place in time in which we build a palace of holiness. So what he's meaning there is on that seventh day, we are simply being with God. It's a moment where we build that relationship through simply being a human, not worried about what it comes next, not thinking about what, what we need to do in order to get things done for tomorrow. So in my mind, I think, okay, Lord, so in the Jewish context, when you made it a law in Exodus, you said, you know, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, what's the framework of the law for? It's to show us our need, right? We have the law, we have the Ten Commandments, so that we can recognize our need for God and our need for structure and order in our lives. So when I look at that commandment, and I look at how the Jews participate in Sabbath, now there are Loads and loads and loads of laws and things that you cannot do on the Sabbath. You can't switch on a light switch, for heaven's sake. I don't know that I would survive a Sabbath like that. <laughs> that would be really hard for me because I like to be able to see things, <laughs> especially on days like today when it gets dark super early. But then I asked God, okay, so as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, who I believe in the redemption of the cross, what is the spirit of the law? What is the purpose behind the law of remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy? And as I did that, the Lord began to stir in me. The purpose is to create holy moments with me, to make, to make myself known in you and you alone, not in the context of your church, not in the context of your world, but simply you and I being holy together. And so, because in the Jewish culture, here's the really cool thing. In the Jewish culture, church and religion was community. They saw religion as a in a community context. As, as people in Christianity, we tend to look at Christianity as, a, as an individual context that participates in a community context. Does that make sense? <laughs> but on that one day, on the Sabbath day, 
it became an individual context. So in the Jewish, in the Jewish culture, you have six days where you're working in community together, and then on the Sabbath day, you are one with God. You are the individual that he created. So. Um, just on that. Um, yes, it's going to be really, it'll be difficult to, like, to, to pull out exact points here, but we'll try and pull a couple of threads. Hopefully that will be helpful. Um, but I think, I think we shared this whenever we talk about silent and solitude like ages ago, um, and to fail to see the to fail to see the value of simply being with God and doing nothing else is to miss the heart of Christianity. So, so, so to even to go back to the story of the Israelites, they were like they were ended up just they were machines. They were just doing. They never stopped. They so for them to actually hear to receive the law to say. You've been so accustomed. All you've known over the next over generations is to just keep that never stop. Um, and so something about that quote just strikes me again, because I think we still, although we're not in the same position, we're there to compare us with what what was going on in the lives of the Israelites. But there is still something within us that, whenever there is nothing measurable accomplished, we struggle with that. And essentially, that's what the stop is. Almost willing to to say like, there's nothing measurable can be accomplished here. But to go back again to that quote, to sorry to keep going back, to feel, to see the value in just sitting with, the, the sitting with God and doing nothing is to miss the heart of Christianity. Um, and so I think there is, by the world standards, by the world standards that seems inefficient. By the world standards to stop. If nothing measurable seems unproductive and maybe even useless. And so it was really this law of keeping that this Sabbath day holy was really countercultural then, and I still think it's countercultural now. So again, to keep repeating what I think I've heard both of these guys saying is, is like the willingness to stop and just to be with. And I know that you know that and I've heard that. We're just emphasizing that again. Um, what's your next point? I think it's really important to understand the context because we don't want to just throw out what the Old Testament says and there's context to everything that we believe as Christians. And so part of the context, the, the, first, uh, the first Sabbath was declared as holy. It was the only thing in Genesis in that part that was said, this is holy. It wasn't man. It was the time and space. And then they were taken into captivity. So children of Israel were forced to work seven days a week, all day in slavery because the other gods, that's what they put at the top of their list. You will do, do, do. You will make. We will acquire wealth. We're going to build more buildings to uh, store our wealth. And so when the children of Israel, do you remember the Egypt story where, Jacob, uh, where Joseph, we hear about all that? That's where the children of Israel were. And they had went from this time that was special and sacred and holy that they weren't observing anymore. And it was affecting who they were as a people. Then when they, were, when they were taken out of captivity, they didn't know what to do. Anybody heard about the bear that um, was chained up for years in a circus, and when they took off the um, chain off it, it still walked in circles and didn't move? The children of Israel were like that. They didn't know what to do. And so the law was given to remind them, because they needed a pointer, like children, like we do sometimes. The law was given to say, actually, this is what you need to do. So 
It's not that we have to abide by the law now because it's in our hearts, it's written in us. The first three were about God. So the first, ten, the first three of the Ten Commandments were about God. The third one was keep the Sabbath day holy. And then the rest were about living in union with each other for God. So when they, for us to be able to live together without fight, well, maybe we will fight, for us to get live together in union and enjoy and get on as we are supposed to, we have to do what we're told, as in you need to stop and rest. Because as you stop to rest, you're going to hear my voice. Something's going to happen within your physical body, your spiritual body, and your mental body, and you're going to start to live out the fullness that you're supposed to with Jesus living within you. So that, hopefully, does that explain the law side of it a wee bit better? Um, go ahead. So, so the way that I look at blessing and the law and sin and all of the context of doing right and being good is we are people who are called by God's name, by God, by name, and we are loved by him. And because we are loved by him, he wants to, to pour blessing out over us. That is something he desires for us. But in our humanity, or like the Jewish culture would call our animal soul, like it, there is this thing that contends with what God wants for us. And we contend with it. And we have the law to see where we're kind of missing the mark. But God's desire for us to be obedient is not so that we are good children. That's not what he wants for you. He wants children who love him as much as he loves us. And when we walk in obedience and when we walk in the calling he has for us, we are then able to be in alignment with what he's doing in our life and what he's doing in the world. And in a context, we are able to walk in the blessings that he desires to give us in the first place. He desires to give us a deeper intimacy. He desires to build those things in us. But in order to be in a place where we can receive those things, we have to be walking in obedience. We have to be walking in that love and that content. Does that make sense? Practical side. Because um, I know this can all be a wee bit confusing. Um, so l let me just read you something practical. And then I think maybe if we discuss what it actually looks like in, in our lives. Um, because this is meant to be a discussion. Um, I'll leave some of these books up here so you can see them. I've put them in order of easiest to read to hardest to read. And I know we're all mentioning his quotes, but I only understood 10% of the book. But the 10% I understood is transformational and brilliant. So never be afraid to read books that you don't understand because it's really healthy. It causes you to ask more questions, to talk to more people, and to Google lots of words. Um, so... This is, a, this is a real nice illustration. The seven-day week is not something that can or should be tinkered with, although some have tried to. In 1793, in France, in an effort to increase productivity, they de-Christianized the calendar by modifying the days of the week to a 10-day week. New clocks were even invented to reflect the revised week. The experiment, however, radically failed. Suicide rates skyrocketed, people burned out, and productivity decreased. Why? It turns out, our, turns out humans were not made to work nine days and rest only one in this week. We were made to work six days and rest one. The seven-day rhythm is sacred. The seven-day week is not the result of human ingenuity. Rather, it is a reflex. I told you there's words you'll not get. 
it is a reflection of God's brilliance. In every week, one day is to be set aside for rest. So central to God is the ethical imperative to rest that it is established in Scripture before commands against murder, adultery, divorce, lying, uh, rape, jealousy, or child sacrifice. In fact, of the Ten Commandments, Sabbath is the only command originally expressed directly to Adam and Eve. Why do we Sabbath? Genesis say, says, we Sabbath first because God kept a Sabbath, and second, because built it, God built it into the DNA of creation, and it is therefore something creation needs in order to flourish. We need it. It's physically within our DNA, which I find phenomenal that God knew that from the start. Um, while you're telling stories there's one more book that isn't on that that I would recommend it's by a lady called Marva Dawn and uh, she wrote a book called Keeping the Sabbath Holy H or W-H-O-L-L-Y um, she tells a story about uh, a group of Christians that travelled um, from not that it matters but I think it was St. Louis to Oregon um, and so they travelled during the, during the autumn time, they stopped the wagons, the horses, everything got a break. Obviously, this, this isn't a, a modern story. They stopped the wagons and the horses on the Sundays. They traveled from St. Louis to honor Sabbath. But it, whenever it got to winter, whenever it's getting to winter, panic set in, and they were like, we can't afford to stop here. But this is, so there's a division. There was a, they ended up dividing into two categories, as Christians can so often do. Um, because one group were adamant, we're keeping the Sabbath, and the other group were saying, um, we can't, for fear of like the winter setting in, the snow, all of that, we just need to get there as quickly as we can. The two groups separated, and, uh, and then the next year, which group do you think got to Oregon first? The group that Sabbath. Um, so all of that to say is that the, because they stopped, because the horses stopped, because the people stopped, the, the rest of their days were more efficient. They traveled more efficiently the other six days because they had ceased, they had stopped, they had honored the image of God that was in them, uh, and they respected their humanity and the image of God in them, and so stopped, and they were able to be more efficient on, their, on the other six days um, of the week. So, so practically speaking, if you just, maybe just for the next few minutes, the last few minutes, because uh, I know, and probably what, what we're lacking here to, this morning is hearing from people who, well, that's all well and good. Like, you're not a nurse that has to work weekend shifts. Or you're, really, it's easier for you to, to, um, to create a Sabbath and to keep it. Um, but I suppose we're, just trying, we're still trying our best to, to, to show that there is still really important principles um, that you can establish, I think, hopefully, no matter what, your job or what your role is, still a call to stop. And so just so practically for me, I, that's what I think I would love to establish in our home. This is, and that's why I kept going back to the evening and day. I think there's, there's, it was probably more, more efficient or more effective for us to, to start our Sabbath in the evening, evening and then the day. And I, there's friends of mine that have done that and they're actually doing it really well. Um, it's difficult at the minute because Caleb's playing rugby with all sports on Saturday mornings, but there's friends that have that aren't at that stage that are start their Sabbath Friday after work and they stop, they cease, and they do what David's talked about. They do the 
it's not that they're, they're doing all the don'ts, but they're doing whatever in their rest. They're doing whatever brings delight and whatever replenishes. Um, and so that's what that's been a really almost aspirational as I watch that start from Friday uh, evening right through till almost tea time the next day. It becomes their Sabbath with family, and so. Practically, I think that is worth us considering the evening and the day. Maybe you've already thought about that before, but I didn't. I never. I just thought like, so often when we wake up, we're just like it's the alarm clock is our go for the day. But what would it be like to come back from work and and this is the start of our Sabbath and we'll end it, uh, on a Saturday or whatever Sunday, whatever. Yeah. So that's that's really hard to do. But I think that's part of it. As I've read through a lot of these books, there's lots of testimonies of, and the word was, it seemed that God stretched time when we observed the Sabbath. And there used to be an old saying, I think it was back with what you're talking about with the, like, long time ago in America, people that observed Sabbath were always on time and those that didn't were always late because they were always in a rush. They were always trying to get something last crammed in. And actually, when we look at... Genesis as well. It doesn't say that God was finished on the seventh day. There was still stuff to be done, but it re he rested because he wanted us to enter into that rest with him because that was the beginning then of the partnership moving forward. When we rest together, then we start this journey of kingdom building together, of living together in communion with one another. And so I've been convicted about actually taking the time to do the full Sabbath again with four young kids. I don't know what, how, but what we can do is start somewhere. So there are four things here that if you want to write down, it's part of um, a rhythm that is used by other people. Number one is stop, two, rest, three, delight, and four, worship. So if we can take maybe two or three hours either on a Saturday or Sunday or whatever your day or your evening is, something like that, where you stop intentionally to, um, where's this? I had a, a quote that I had the other day. It's uh, a guy, uh, I shared it with you guys, can't remember exactly who it was, but it is a day or a time to stop for the Holy Spirit to tell you what to set down and what to pick up. So as we stop, we're offloading some stuff that needs to go and we're picking up some new stuff that the, the Spirit of God presses on our heart or, or challenges us with, then as we come from a place of rest, we go to a place of delight. We're delighting in the people around us. We're delighting in a really, really good meal, like full-fat butter, sugar. There's no skimping on, a, on this day. That's, this is the day to delight and have all the best foods. And some of the people are saying, you know, that's when they buy their 50-pound their bottle of wine. That's never going to happen, 50-pound. But they buy the best, they have the best, and they participate together in the best in that time and enjoy conversation. Phones are put down. And then after delighting, whether it's going for a walk, reading a book, or whatever it is, they then go to a place of worship. And we just spend time in worship in the Lord. And for me, what I want to start is a two-hour slot for that and start to work on it. Because it's all... You know, this is good, the 24 hours. I'd love to get there. But if we start there, a lot of us won't be there within a couple of weeks. That's the reality of it. So I've had seasons where we've done Sabbath really well. And I've had seasons where we've done Sabbath really poorly. Um, I'm not going to lie, confession time. Like, since moving here, we haven't Sabbathed well. 
Um, and, and that's on us. You know, that's on us as a family, not making it a priority. Um, in Back in Florida, when Kenny was working at the news, he had the oddest hours. He worked nights, and he worked random days. And so we made our Sabbath on a Monday or a Tuesday, depending on what was going on with the kids' school and all of that, uh, because we could. That's the thing. Remember, we talked about this the law, and it's, it's the spirit of the law. It's not the letter of the law. We don't have to follow rule, a set of rules like we did in the Old Testament. We have Jesus to cover that. And so what is the spirit of the law? The spirit of the law is to create moments of holiness and rest and refreshing. And so in those seasons, we found ourselves, we spent time as a family together. That was the day that we said we put everything aside and said we want to be intentional as a family to have fun, to spend time together, to worship together, to be together, and to create communion together because we needed that. That was what we needed in that season. And what I would contend for you is that in Sabbath, Sabbath has seasons. It has rhythms. Not every season will look the same. Not every season you can have that 24-hour day. It's just not possible always. What is possible is finding the moment, taking time, making it a priority, even if it's only two hours a week, even if it's, even if it's 10 minutes a day. You say, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to take a 10-minute Sabbath with you, Lord, because this is all I can give right now. This is all I feel like I have. So I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to put all the worries of the day down. I'm not going to think about what's to come. I'm going to sit here with you for 10 minutes, and I'm going to be present, and I'm just going to be. Because God's not looking for you to set, fit a set of rules. He's looking for you to say yes. Isn't that right? Like, he just wants your yes. And so if that can only be 10 minutes, then God is pleased with that. And if that is 24 hours, then God is pleased with that. But he's not standing in comparison. You know, something that I really like to do with the kids is, is remind them that God likes us to have fun. You know, I feel like so much of our Christian walk comes with, like, this desire to be pious and good and, you know, follow the rules and do all the right things, which are not bad things. Those are good things. But I want my kids to recognize and I want them to want to obey me because they love me and because they want to honor me because of that love. And I want them to feel the same way about God because I don't want them to do it out of a place of fear or worry about getting in trouble. And that's how God looks at the Sabbath. He's like, I'm not looking for you to do this out of fear. If you're doing it out of fear, then don't worry about it. It's not important. But if you're doing it because you love me and because you want to be with me, then that's why I want you to Sabbath. That's where I want you to come from. That's where I want you to be. You know, so practical ways of Sabbathing can look so different for everybody across the room. But I will say, like, one thing that I think is probably the same for everybody across the board is putting down technology because it is incredibly hard to be in the presence of God when you have technology sitting in your hand. 
it's incredibly hard to disconnect from the world when you are constantly connected. It's 25 past 12, but thank you guys. Um, I'm just going to take two minutes here and some be my back in if you want, or you can clear off. Um, no, 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 you can say if you want. Because um, I want to make sure, I just want to make sure that we, not, not for the sake of it, but I want to finish with Jesus. It's all about him. And, um, and so there's these couple of verses, I think what the guys have shared is really important. I hope it's been of value. You can never say, you can never say all that need to say or that you want to say or we don't even have it all in us to cover it all anyway because it's all in the room and uh, we keep saying that we keep reminding you of that uh, that the the wisdom the mind of Christ is in the body of Christ and you are the mind of Christ and so we still work this all out together we work it all out theologically we work it out practically and I think Jackie and not to because I think sometimes we can go to Exodus and if you've been and known that we were talking about the Sabbath today you maybe went to Exodus 15 and said, remember the Sabbath, it's holy unto the Lord, and whoever doesn't keep it, stone them to death. So it's definitely important that you hear Jackie saying it's about the spirit of the law, because um, I think there'd be many of us here, that, that if that rule was still in place. But um, the, I want to get back, I want to finish with Jesus, because what Jesus said was so important, and I think it's even, even Jesus is considering what was said in Exodus 15, when he said, um, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says, come to me. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened down. So this is an invitation. The Sabbath, the Sabbath is, you need to hear this as an invitation. Like you can't hear it as duty. You can't walk away from here being fearful, as Jack has already says. David has said, you can't walk away feeling I need to do this. I have to do this. I'm bound to this. I'm commanded to this. Jesus would say to you, come to me. Because all of those things that have, have, that have made this walking with me heavy and weary and burdened, that's not of me. It's supposed to be, supposed to be joyful. Supposed, I know it's going to be difficult. In this world, you'll have troubles. But there's supposed to be joy in this. There's supposed to be freedom and life in this. And Jesus identified the, the burdens that have been put on people through the law, through the man-made expectations. And he's desperate here. Come to me, all you who have been wearied and burdened by this, and I will give you rest. But it, it, it ends up, we come back full circle again as we, even in the talk of the Sabbath, it's all about Jesus. Come to him, and that's where you will find perfect rest. That's where you'll be able to stop and to delight and the worship, and the focus. When you come to him, take my yoke, Jesus speaking, take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so, I know I've said loads this morning, but in some ways I want to condense it down to, this is an invitation. An invitation to, to, to realize and recognize who he's called you to be and who he's created you to be. David's right what he says. We, we, by not Sabbathing well, we, we, we 
we aren't the people that he created us to be. Not the people that he's longing us to be when we don't do this. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And um, can you stand, sorry to stand just for this last, David has handed me this um, quote that I want to read as we stand together. So my prayer for us, the God of rest, fill you with peace and presence as you rest in him. My prayer for you this week, that the God of rest would fill you with peace and presence as you rest in him. So read this quote and then as we stand, now it's going to come and, and pray for us. The rest of God, the rest God gladly gives so that we might discover that part of God we're missing is not a reward for finishing. It's not a bonus for work well done. It's a sheer gift. It's a stop work order in the midst of work that's never complete, never polished. Sabbath is not the break we're allotted at the tail end of completing all our tasks and chores, the fulfillment of all our obligations. It's the rest we take, smack dab in the middle of them, without apology and without reason, without guilt, sorry, without guilt, and for no better reason than God told us we could.